0: Hey, online family, we are so excited you're here with us today, whether you're on YouTube, our website, or on our podcast, we have a message just for you. Take a listen. Well, it is good to be back. I always like to say that Higher Vision Church is my church away from my church. And what's good about today is normally every year I speak on Father's Day here. So this is the first out of five years that I haven't spoken on Father's Day. So I actually get to be with my own kids on Father's Day. So I'm pretty pumped. Um, Jared and I have been great friends for years. We were on staff together at a church in Modesto. And one of the funnest things was we would get away together often and we would dream about when the day came when we would plant a church. And then that day came, I went north to Seattle, and he went south to Southern Cal, and we both planted churches. I planted mine about six months before he planted Higher Vision, and it's been fun over the years to see how God has grown this church and how God has done similar things at Canyon Creek in Seattle, and Jared and I really feel like kindred spirits over the years and that our churches are very connected. Um, Our church right now, we have six campuses, Uh, we own four different buildings, but our main campus building is being demolished in six weeks, and we are building from dirt up a brand new main facility, Um, so I am actually moving my entire church back to the school we originally started our church in 12 years ago. I feel like I've taken like 10 steps backwards again. But that's what we're doing, and in the middle of that, the Lord brought this verse to my mind for our church, and it's Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. And it simply says, if one people speaking the same language have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. I want to ask that everyone who would do me a favor. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone say, dear Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, in Jesus' name, amen. If one people, speaking the same language, have begun to do this, then nothing will be impossible for them. Now, I realize the context of this verse isn't great, okay? This is where the people came together, they built the Tower of Babel, and God was upset about it. But the principle of this verse is true. That if a group of people get on the same page, live according to the same mission, speak the same language, with God, nothing is impossible for them. And today, I want to talk to you about a principle that I believe that if you will begin to apply to your life, and apply to your view of church, has the ability to help your church go to the next level. That if you will apply this principle to your life, it'll possibly help you navigate through or over some of the obstacles that the enemy has put in your life. That I believe this principle has the ability to take your church to the point where you guys have always dreamt It would go. And I want to talk to you about divine synergy. That word synergy means a cooperation of two or more things or people or organisms that begin to work together and they cause a greater effect than they would have on their own. Meaning, this that if one people speak the same language, are on the same page, are living according to the same mission, that together they can achieve something that is exponentially greater than anything they could have done on their own. Uh, You've heard this said many times from preachers. um, Preachers always talk about the anointing. It's almost like this super spiritual thing, the anointing and the anointing. And they talk about the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. And while it is this language and this terminology that is very super spiritual, it is actually something that we believe. Like, I believe that when I left my home in Seattle and I came here and I preached, that when I stepped on this platform, I stepped into an anointing, that I am not here under my own strength, that when I speak from this book, that I don't do it under my own power or my own authority, but I do this under the anointing of Jesus. Meaning this, anointing is where God gives you supernatural favor to accomplish the task that he's called you to. And what is really cool is just as God has anointed me, and he's anointed Jared to preach the word of God. Which, by the way, when you hear a preacher preach with authority from the word, it hits you different than something else. There's a reason that it does something different in your mind and something different in your heart. Why it's different than when you were in high school and you heard an assembly speaker. Or you were listening to a motivational speaker on a podcast. There's something different when you hear a preacher preach with authority from the Word of God. And that is because he speaks under an anointing. A supernatural favor from God to accomplish the task that he's called to. Can I tell you some really good news? Just as God has anointed me, did you know that God has anointed you? That that same anointing, that same power, that same authority... That same favor, that that rests on you. That you and I are both equally anointed by God, but for a different purpose. I want you to read from uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. Um, I'm going to read actually from the King James Version, and I'm going to read quickly through the beginning, and then I'm going to stop on one part that I want you to really pay attention to. And if you're someone who takes notes and you actually have a Bible and you're not using a digital Bible, I'm going to give you permission to underline something in your Bible. But here's what the word says. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Now I want you to listen. Okay, so now you got a clue in here. It says, unto him that loved us and washed us from his sins in his own blood. Who is it referring to? It's referring to Jesus. It's saying, from Jesus... To you and I, he has made us kings and priests. I want you to underline kings and priests. Unto God and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I want you to underline glory and dominion. What's fascinating about this passage of scripture is this is in the New Testament. Okay, so this is decades after Jesus has died. Okay, the church is beginning to flourish around the world. And we know that when Jesus came and his disciples followed up his ministry, that they changed a lot of the verbiage. They changed a lot of the terminology. They weren't using words like kings and priests. They were using things like pastors and elders, deacons and apostles. So why all of a sudden here does John have this Old Testament flashback? And begin to use this old school terminology. Kings and priests. You almost got to pause and you got to say. Did uh, John make a mistake? I mean did he really intend to say kings and priests? We don't use that terminology anymore. Well what we believe is this. We believe that what we read in our Bible. God spoke to these men and women. And they wrote down word for word. What they heard from God. That this. Was not an accident. But this was intentional that you and I would learn something here. And I really believe what God is trying to teach us is the principle of priesthood and kingship in the body of Christ. Now I want you to follow along. i to bring all this home. I want you to turn to 2 Samuel 11 verse 1. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 is one of the most prominent passages in all of the Bible. Okay, if you have minimal church experience, odds are you've heard this story before. The thing that I love about this story in the life of David is that the Bible doesn't just tell us the great exploits of these men and women of God. The Bible is real. The Bible is truth. The Bible not only shows us the good, but it shows us the bad and the ugly. I mean, what 2 Samuel 11 is, this is David's. Epic mistake. This is his epic failure. This is when he screwed up so bad, he did something that he regretted the rest of his life. I don't know about you, but I've had moments in my life where I've made an epic mistake. And I've had to pay for my epic mistake. But usually, you know, after a year or so, we hope it goes away. We hope people start forgetting about it. And after a while, Donald Trump tweets something and everybody forgets about what dumb thing we did. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it goes away after a while. But how would you like it if thousands of years after you screwed up, people are still talking about it? I mean, that's literally how big of a mistake this is. But I love the fact that the Bible shows us that these are real people that David isn't just this guy who slayed Goliath, but David is also the guy who committed adultery. So he's this hero, but he's also this failure. And this is the story of his mistake, his greatest regret. And it says, verse 1, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent out Joab out into the king's men and the whole Israelite, army. How many of you understand really clearly that you have the call of God on your life? That most likely what you are doing is not an accident. That the desires in your heart, God called you to do those things. That just as I have a calling and just as Pastor Jared has a calling, you have a calling on your life. And John tells us that Jesus has called us to be kings and priests. Now, if you're someone who takes notes, I want you to write kings on one side and priests on the other side. And underneath king, I want you to write the word dominion. And underneath the word priest, I want you to write the word glory. So let me keep elaborating. We get the word kingdom from king dominion. We get the word priesthood from priest glory. Priest glory means that you are covered. And in 2 Samuel 11, we read the story of a king. And it tells us in the beginning that it was springtime. And spring is the time when kings go off to war. Why do you think they went off to war in the spring? You know, most of us, we try to be really hyper-spiritual about all of this, but it was very pragmatic They went off to war in the spring because it's too hot in the summer and too cold in the winter. So they went off to war. But this story tells us that the king, David, stays home. And he sends Joab off in his place. You should pause right now and scratch your head and think, wait a second. It started off by telling us when the spring is when kings go off to war. Why isn't David going off to war? This church is what I refer to as a satanic setup. Like David is being set up. Okay, most of you, when you do that thing you wished you wouldn't have done, it's because you were in a place you weren't supposed to have been. Most of the time when we screw up, We are doing something we are not supposed to do at a place we never should have been in the first place. Here is David, and David should be off leading his men in battle, but instead, he's at home. And I always think I know what was going through David's mind at this time. I mean, this was the peak of David's kingdom, the peak of his career. He's thinking, I've arrived, I don't need to fight anymore. Man, other people, they go fight for me now. So you guys go fight, win, I'm going to stay home. And one day, David climbs to the top of his castle, and I bet a little bit filled up with pride, begin to look out at his kingdom. And there might have been that moment where he thought this. Look what I've done. Look at what I've built. And as he's admiring his kingdom he notices something taking place on a rooftop just off in the distance. And it is a woman bathing. And David sees this woman and he thinks, dang, (laughs) she's hot. And David's like, I'm the king. I built all of this. I want her. So he has her brought to him and he sleeps with her. But shockingly, she gets pregnant. And David thinks, I can get rid of this quickly. So he tries to cover it up, but that doesn't work. Did you know that David not being where he was supposed to be, David not following his calling and his anointing, not only led him into adultery, it led him into committing murder. It eventually leads to the death of one of his sons. It leads to turmoil in the entire nation. He has issues in his staff. He has issues in his family. Church, let me tell you, it is important that you follow your anointing and your calling. Well, the thing that I give David a lot of credit for is there came a point where David kind of came to his senses and he's like, man, I screwed up and I need to make this right. What should I do? And he immediately thinks, I need to go to my pastor and confess because I'm tired of this and I want to walk in my anointing and my calling again. And so we read in chapter 12 that he goes to the priest, Nathan. And the Bible says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord you see, the priest today would be your pastor. And now finally, David's ready to walk in his anointing again. His pastor prays for him and blesses him. And I don't, there must have been a moment where Nathan said, now David, now be where you're supposed to be. Do what God has uniquely called you to do. Walk in your calling and your anointing. One of the things that I always challenge my church with, is they say, people, stay in your own lane. Do what God has called you to do. Do what you are anointed to do. And so David begins to walk in his own calling and anointing again. Verse 29. It's really cool. So we just read before, David was hanging out in the palace, sending everybody else off to war, and all hell broke loose. But now David says, no, no more. I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And look what happens. So David mustered the entire army and went to Rabbah and attacked it and captured it. What happens when you and I walk in our anointing? We experience supernatural favor from God to accomplish the task that he has called us individually to. So, David walks again in his anointing, and supernatural favor rests on him, and he experiences success. So, David took the crown from the king's head and he placed it on his own head. And the Bible points out that it weighed a talent of gold. You don't have a clue what that is. Do you know how much a talent of gold is? 75 pounds. That is a big, stinking crown was full of precious stones. And in the end of it, it says that David took the men of Rabbah and he made them work for him. And then my favorite part is the end of it where it says, David did this to all the Ammonite towns. So when David walked in his anointing and he walked in his calling, God gave him favor. God gave him success. So church, why do you think kings would lead their armies into battle. So they would lead their armies into battle, follow along, to take dominion. So why, when they took dominion... Would then the kings take all of the resources, all of the plunder, why would they pillage, and take all of that away from that city? In fact, you see it over and over again in movies from this time, where a medieval army would go in and they'll conquer a city and they'll take all of that city's wealth and they'll bring it back to their city. Why do they do that? Why do they take the wealth of their city back? Well, you see this in the life of David. You see, David had a passion. He had an obsession. And his passion and his obsession was to build the house of God. So every time David went into a city, and he attacked the city, and he conquered the city, he would take all of that city's wealth, and he would bring it back to Jerusalem, and he would give it to the priest. And then the priest would gather it up, And he would take it and he would place it in the storehouse. And then David would go to the priest and he would say, when do we get to build? When do we get to move forward? When can I build the house of God? When can I build the temple? I want you to notice that David waited for the priest leading. Because the king understood that his job was to provide the resources for the house of God. So the king would go into battle, this is so good, follow along. He went into battle to take dominion. He would take dominion, you are not hearing me. He would take dominion to gain provision. In the Old Testament there was this synergy, this divine teamwork between kings and priests. They were friends. They knew that each had a calling and each had a purpose. They worked hand in hand. But they knew that their anointing and their calling was for different purposes. They shared this common respect. They shared this common need for each other. They knew that both were anointed and appointed by God for a purpose. So God would give... The priest, vision. And God would anoint the kings for provision. Did you know there is no vision without provision? Did you know that every vision has a cost? And the greater the vision, the greater the cost. I have had the privilege of speaking in every facility you guys have met in. I've met in trashy facilities. I've spoken in schools. I've smoked, spoke, smoke. I don't smoke. I do live in Seattle where everything's legal, but there it is. Um, I've spoke in small buildings and I've spoken in this building. And every time Jared got a vision, it got bigger. And it costs more. Do you know what Jared's job is? His job, his vision, his job is to get away, hear from Jesus, and believe God for the impossible. His job is to get. A dream of how God can revolutionize this area. His his job is to drive by retail space that used to be a furniture store. When you saw it as a furniture store, his job is to get a vision that should be a church. And I know what happened. The first time he brought it up to a bunch of you, you were like, Jared, that's too big. I want to point out where you are. The first time Jared came to you and he said, hey, all that space next door, let's turn it into a huge kid's facility. Some of you thought, how? That's too expensive. Have you walked by it recently and seen what's happening? You know why you love coming to this church? Because Jared has vision. I mean, the dude sweats vision. You cannot spend five minutes around Jared without believing, you know what, I think we can do the impossible. (laughs) I think literally everybody in this county is going to be saved. That's what you believe. Because that's his job, to get a dream and to have the guts to step out in faith And cast the vision, believing that the provision will come from you. Did you know oftentimes churches die and shut their doors? In fact, statistically in America, there are less Christians today in America than there were this time last year. That if you go back 10 years ago, there are less Christians today than there were 10 years ago. That right now in America, we are closing... Two churches for every one church we open. And I am convinced it's because kings and priests stopped working together. Because pastors became afraid to cast vision. And churches started dying. Proverbs 29:18 says, Where there's no vision, the people perish. Other translations say where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. I tell my church all the time, where there's no vision, you get bored. I mean, someday if you move, my encouragement would be move to Seattle, come to my church. But should you move away to some other place, can I just give you one pastoral warning? Never attend a church where the pastor does not have vision. Because that's his job. His job is to get away Hear from Jesus and believe God for the impossible in that city. The problem is many pastors don't cast vision because they do not believe the provision rests in you. My job is vision. Jared's job is vision. The king's job is provision. So the question is, who are the king's? Well, the kings are the business people, the professionals. The kings are you. Do you understand that you are highly anointed by God to go out into the workplace, to pillage, to plunder, and take dominion? Do you know that on Monday, you know what you are getting ready to do? You are getting ready to strap on your armor. You are getting ready to strap on your weapons and go out into battle. And I would tell you by the authority of the word of God, when you go, in the name of Jesus, pillage and plunder away. Go take dominion. You are supernaturally anointed by God to go out into the workforce and succeed. I always tell, there's a few guys in my church, I always tell them, you are gifted by God to make money. I mean, that's just like, you, that's your anointing. You make money. You trip into money. I am anointed by God to spend money. <laughs> but you are great at making it. And I, I've got guys, they just trip into sales, they trip into contracts. I have this gal in my church, her name is Lindsay. Seven years ago, and I love Lindsay, I, she got saved at 15 years old the day my daughter got born. So, it's, uh, so Lindsay and her twin sister Leslie have been deeply connected to my family for years. Seven years ago, Lindsay came to me and she said, "Pastor Brandon, pray for me, I'm believing God for a career change." She said, "I believe I'm supposed to become a real estate agent. Well, this is in the middle of a recession when no one can sell a house anywhere. So her first job in real estate was selling short sale homes. You know, it would take anywhere from three to six months to close a short sale and she got a flat commission of $3,000 for every short sale she had. Quickly do the math and figure out how that cash flows for an income for someone. Let's fast forward to today. Lindsay is the number one real estate agent in the state of Washington, which might I add, Seattle has been the hottest real estate market for the last three years. Last year alone, Lindsay had $43 million worth of transactions. Lindsay is so amazingly anointed to sell homes that she makes these little cheesy videos and posts them on her Instagram. And Hollywood got a hold of her Instagram videos. And this week, she just finished filming her first entire season of a series that is debuting this fall on HGTV. So you will be able to watch Lindsay and her twin sister, Leslie, on TV doing what God has uniquely gifted and anointed them to do. Church, you have a calling. You have an anointing. It's the same anointing, same favor that I have on my life, but it's for a different Purpose And when guys like you and gals like you work hand in hand with people like me, God does the impossible. So how do kings and priests work together? Well, we see it over and over again from Nathan to David, from Isaiah to Hezekiah, from Amaziah to Uzziah, that the priest would bless the king. The priest would warn the king. The priest would confront the king. They worked together. They needed each other. They never tried to remove each other. If the king was wicked, the priest would pray. If the priest was wicked, God usually just wiped him out. But but look at it this way. What happens in our world today when kings don't have priests? We see it with our NFL players Did you know that 80% of NFL athletes within two years after they retire, so we're talking about people that in a five-year period of time make more money than you and I will ever make in our lifetime. Two years after they retire, 80% of them are bankrupt. In the NBA, which is by far the most affluent and highest paying of any professional athlete, with 60% of them within five years after retirement are dead broke. What happens when Kings don't have priests, they don't understand the purpose of their wealth, they become greedy, they think that, you know what my goal is? My goal is to move my way up the Forbes 100 list. So, you know, in our world, we have CEOs that are some of, they have made more money than you could possibly ever dream, than all of us collaboratively together could make in our entire lifetime, but in the end, they still die. They don't get to take a dime with them. What happens when kings don't have priests? They don't have a purpose for everything they're doing. What happens when priests don't have kings? Vision dies. Churches die. Ministers get discouraged. They quit. They give up. One of the scariest statistics that we wrestle through today is that 1,700 ministers a month quit the ministry. You cannot talk to a pastor that doesn't have most of his friends had stepped out of ministry at least at some point and they did it because they just didn't believe that the things that God laid on their heart could actually happen. Kings and priests need each other. They're both uniquely anointed and gifted by God for a purpose. Um, We're in the middle of this building program, and uh, when you're in the hottest housing market in the nation, and you're also at a time of basically affluence around America right now, everything's more expensive. So a month ago, our contractor came to me and said, Pastor Brandon, I have bad news, Steel's more expensive and wood is more expensive now. And I said, well, how much more expensive? And he said, $800,000 more expensive. And I said, well, when do I need to raise $800,000? And he says, well, if we're going to break ground in six weeks, I need that other $800,000 within six months. So I stood up in front of my church, the priest, and I cast vision to the kings. I said, guys... Here's where we're at. God would not have brought us this far if he didn't have a way. And I believe that some of you have been getting bonuses, that some of you have been getting deals, and you don't know why. I now know why. (laughs) So I shared this last week. And the first service is my Thursday night service. It's where they record me and and send it out to all of our campuses on Sunday. It's our smallest service, about 100 people. And so I shared this the first time after that service, and I had a new family that came up to me afterwards. And they said, uh, "Pastor Brandon, you know that fireside room that you guys are going to build?" And I said, what is a fireside room? I didn't grow up in church, so I don't know these terms. And I said, I don't think we're building a fireside room. And they stepped back and said, oh, we were going to pay for that. We were ready to donate $100,000. I said, fireside room it is. There is going to be a fireplace in that building, and I will say it's the fireside room. You see, my job is vision. My job is to have the guts to stand up in front and say, we are going to build a kid's space over here. And I'm believing that you are going to pay for it. <laughs> but together, we're going to change the Santa Clarita Valley. Hello. Some kings and priests work together. Um, about six years ago, I had a farmer in my church. His name is Bob. And I'm going to tell you all this because I want you to look it up to see if I'm lying. He owns Bob's Farm and Corn Maze in Snohomish, Washington. So Bob came to me six years ago, and he said, Pastor Brandon, uh, our our farm's really struggling. He said, but I have a dream. He said, I have a vision. And so he takes me to the farm, and he says, this area over here, we've never harvested before, but I'm believing for pumpkins over here. And he took me to another space, and he said, this land over here, corn. And he said, and then this land here, I want to turn it into a corn maze. And I was like, cool, Bob. What do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to pray it'll happen. I went, really? Okay. So I took out the anointing oil, got down on my hands and knees, and I anointed the ground. And I said, Jesus, grow pumpkins. (laughs) Lord, bring the corn. God, may this turn into a corn maze. Fast forward to today. If Bob was here, he would tell you this. He would say, every year for the last six years, our business has increased by 50%. Six years ago, when I met with Bob, he had two employees, him and his wife. (laughs) Today, Bob has 180 employees. And kings and priests work together. When I shared last week what we wanted to do, Bob came to me after the service and he said, he has six kids, all girls, all redheaded, pray for Bob. <laughs> and he said, Pastor Brandon, he said, we are so blessed and God just keeps blessing the farm. We want to pay for the entire kids wing at the new church. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> when kings and priests work together, divine synergy, I want to pray for you in close today.